to the show. Good to have you along. John Scholes here and Lior Samfiru from Samfiru to Market LLP, the most positively reviewed law firm in the country joining once again. we got lots of emails coming through. We're going to go heavy on the emails tonight. If you have questions about uh, severance, is it enough? What am I owed? I'm on a temporary layoff. Can they do that? I'm getting harassed at work. My boss is being a complete DB. All that stuff, bring it on. We'd love to talk to you. We can answer them over the next half hour. We'll get to emails here in just a day, in just a, in just a minute rather. But uh, the case of the day, pal, what do you got? Hey, John. Really exciting as always uh, for me to be here to talk about employment law. I uh, mm-hmm. I enjoy it. You know, it, it's nice to be able to, to do something for a living that you enjoy. I'm, I'm one of those fortunate ones. I like to talk employment law. I like to answer questions. And that's why I'm here on the show right now to do just that. If you're uh, in in a situation that you need some help with, some guidance with, well, what an easy way for you to get that help by just picking up the phone, calling us on the show. You'll get on the air. I'll tell you what you need to know. And when you go, uh, you know, you go to bed tonight, you'll be feeling better than you are feeling right now. Employment law impacts all of us, right? As long as we have a job. Employment law is very important. It's a huge part of our life, whether we realize it or not. Mm-hmm. And to understand how big a part and understand what the law does for you. Uh, well, good place to start is calling us right now. Or, of course, you can also call at the office, call me or email me so we can have a private chat. And uh, we'll give you that information, of course, throughout the, the next 30 minutes. But let me tell you about the case of the day. Well, this, in fact, is the 15 cases of the day. Because I counted today, I, we had 15 new individuals, 15 individuals contact us today, which wow. all had a very similar issue. And that issue is they were let go with less than one year of service. They've been working with their employer for less than a year. So they were hired at some point in uh, late 2021 or 2022 and uh, were let go. So those short service employees and, and John, I've been seeing over the past couple of months, a lot of short service employees being let go. Uh, so I, I thought, you know, today I counted 15. It's important that I talk a bit about that. So here's why that's so important. It is easy to believe. It's almost intuitive to believe that if you're a short service employee, you work for a company for a few months, if they let you go, yeah, what am I going to get a week's pay? Maybe if they're a lucky two weeks pay, it's easy to think that. And I can understand why you would think that. It didn't work for a long time. So you're thinking, I'm not going to get much. But I have to tell you, and I've said this on the show before, but this is so important to remember that, no, that's wrong. Just because you're a short service employee does not, does not mean that your severance is just a week's pay or two weeks pay. Even in those situations where you've been with a company for less than a year, your severance is going to be measured in months, yeah. not days, not weeks, but months. So it is common. In fact, I, I looked very quickly kind of at the at the stats for these 15 individuals that contact us today. Uh, again, all of them working for less than a year, and all of them were looking at anywhere from two to six months of severance, two to six months, even though, again, they were short service individuals. They've worked for a few months, and that's because the law treats short service employees disproportionately better than longer service employees. So you may work for a company for four months and you could be owed four months severance, five months severance, six months severance. Uh, you know, one of my uh, my colleagues, uh, Melanie, resolved the matter today on the basis of, you know, two-month employee resolved on the basis of, of three-month severance. And again, very, very, very common. It's not because we're so good and wonderful. 
It's because that's what the law provides for you. So yeah. a good and an important reminder for all our listeners there, whether you work for two months or 20 years or anything in between, get that legal advice. It's easy to be misled either by misinformation out there or even to be misled by your employer. Don't let that happen to you, okay? Please do the right thing. And definitely short service employees, remember that severance, months, not weeks. And always go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca as well. Have access to the severance calculator anytime. Let's get to our first email of the show, pal. This one uh, from Ron says, hey, Lior just came back from a disability leave. I got into a small accident at work. My company now says it doesn't believe that I am healthy enough to work, even though I am. Is there anything that I can do? Well, the reality is that it's not up to the individual or to the employer to say whether the person is healthy enough. It's up to the doctor. So it is perfectly appropriate that if, if this individual has been off for a while because of a medical condition, or an injury, whatever it is, to simply get a doctor's note saying you can work. And it doesn't need to be any more complicated than that. You don't need the doctor to get into details about why and what treatment you've gotten and how much range of motion you have in your mm -hmm. elbow or any of that. All the doctor needs to say is, yes, this person is clear to return to work. Goodbye. Thank you. That's it. Now, at that point, if your employer says, well, yeah, we don't really believe your doctor, so we're not going to let you come back to work. Well, no, they cannot do that. At that point, it could become a constructive dismissal. It could be a human rights violation. That would be illegal for them to do that. Remember, your doctor holds the key. Your doctor holds the power, including to clear you to come back to work. And by the same token, if you need accommodation, you, you, you're able to go back to work, but you just need some extra support. Maybe mm -hmm. you need the shorter hours. Maybe you need some modified duties. Get the doctor to say that. If the doctor says that, your employer has to find a way to make it happen. So if your employer doesn't believe you, get a doctor's note. If they don't believe the doctor, that's when you call me. And we continue with the Employment Law Show. Stand by. And welcome back to it. It's moving on to our next email, uh, Lior Bills. Up next says, whenever I go on vacation, my boss sends me many emails and expects me to answer them right away. I end up doing a couple hours of work a day when I'm supposed to be on holidays. Is there anything I can do about this? Yeah, that would certainly be very frustrating, annoying, and, and certainly also not fair. You know, around vacation, you're supposed to be on vacation. So here's what I say about a, a situation like that. You have to make a call. You absolutely can say to your employer, no, not going to answer. I'm on vacation, not available, not even taking my phone with me for that matter. I mean, you, you can certainly say that. Uh, and your employer cannot discipline you for that. They can't say, well, that's, you know, we're warning you, we're uh, suspending you, we're letting you go for cause. None of that would be legal. Can't do it. So that's the legal answer. But there's also the practical answer that unfortunately is something you have to consider. And that is, you know, if your employer, if you, if you do that, is your employer going to rely more on others who may be more inclined to give their vacation uh, time to their employer? And is that going to hurt your prospects within the company? Right. And that's probably not legal if that happens, but it's also going to be something that's going to be very difficult to prove. So the problem here is not so much a legal one. From a legal standpoint, you can tell your employer, don't talk to me. I'll talk to you Monday when I'm back in the office, full stop, and nothing can happen to you. But as a practical matter, I, I, I know for a fact, and I've seen this happening, where things can be held against employees. So it's a, it's a tough situation. Now, in Ontario, uh, the government uh, has implemented kind of the, the, the right to disconnect legislation. 
that, that legislation ultimately doesn't do anything. It has no teeth. So it doesn't <laughs> change whatever I've said here now. So I've, and I've said this before, even talking about that legislation, it's really about this practical concern in terms of how will your employer react and how will it affect your kind of future prospects within the company. Elizabeth is up next as uh, Haley or uh, I've had two surgeries over the past 10 months and had to miss work for a few weeks each time. When I came back, my employer told me that I have exhausted all my leave days and I can't take any more time off. What happens if I need to miss more work for medical reasons? So uh, we forbid you from being sick again. That's okay? right. Don't you dare. If we forbid you. That's it. It's been forbidden. We've... So uh, that's <laughs> Love it. case closed. Can you imagine how silly that is? Uh, especially these days when, you know, we're still dealing with the pandemic and all kinds of viruses. Well, we forbid you from getting sick. Too bad. Hmm? If COVID comes knocking, just tell them uh, no. Go away. No, so, yeah. so that's why it's so ridiculous because an employer can't do anything about you needing time off for medical, for legitimate medical reasons. And so there's no such thing as you exhausted your leave. You can take as long as you need to, as long as your doctor supports you and says you need to be off, you can be off as long as you need to. And there's nothing your employer can do about that. Whether that means you're off for two weeks or two months or two years, uh, you can and all you need is that doctor's note. Now, some employers have a sick pay policy, sick day policy, where they pay employees for a certain number of days, even if they're sick. So you can exhaust those paid days. You know, if your employer has five sick days and you've taken five sick days already, you're not going to get paid for day number six, seven and beyond. But that doesn't mean you can't be off. You absolutely can be off. You can get also EI for that period of time. If you have a disability plan through work, you can apply for that. So any employer that ever tries to threaten you because you're sick is doing something illegal. That's not acceptable. If that happens, you give me a call and I'll deal with it. Appreciate that email. Elizabeth Brady says, just curious if it's correct that I'm an independent contractor. I'm a truck driver and work for one logistics company and they own the truck. <laughs> so, John, truck drivers. And, you know, you, we may have some of those great guys right now on the road having the station on listening to, to the show. Uh, well, here's the thing. This happens all the time with truck drivers. Mm -hmm. They're treated as independent contractors. But when the loss really looks at them as being employees. So the vast majority, believe it or, uh, or not, mass, vast majority of truck drivers are in the eyes of the law employees. Why? Because they're not really in business for themselves. They work for one company with one company. They, they you know, take the loads given to them. Uh, they don't have much control over that. So the law considers them to be employees. In other words, you've been misclassified. By the way, that's true even if you own the truck. It's definitely true if you don't own the truck. The, the company you work for owns it. But even if you own the truck but you work exclusively with one company, then you're probably an employee of that company. That means you have certain rights, like the right to vacation pay, certainly the right to severance if you lose your job. So, no, that person is not a contractor. That person is an employee. And definitely you truckers out there, if you lose your job, if the company you work for says you don't work here anymore, because the law considers you to be an employee, you're going to be owed severance. And that could be as much as 24 months pay. I know many truckers have worked with the same company for a long time. So yeah. if that's you, give me a call and I'll make sure you get what you're owed. 
Brady, just in case, uh, you know the number, one 821 5900 Again, one 821 5900 to reach out to Lior when the show is all done. Crystal, up next, says, hey guys, I'm a private school teacher, and my contract gets renewed at the end of the school year. The school just changed ownership, and I don't think they will renew my contract again. If this happens, can I get severance? School teachers, private school teachers. By the way, I, I'm saying private school teachers here because with regular school teachers, usually unionized, so that that wouldn't apply. But with private school teachers, this is very common. This exact scenario that you've read, John, is common. The the teacher's contract gets renewed once a year, and then uh, you know they get renewed again for the following school year, and round and round they go. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the thing, and and you know this by now, John. But after three of these contracts, you're considered to be a regular, indefinite employee, meaning that contract that you keep signing every year becomes meaningless because you're just an indefinite employee. You don't need that contract, even if you sign it. So the effect of that is, if the school says, "Okay, well now you're, we're not renewing. Now you're gone," of course they have to pay severance, like with any employee. So very, very important. Now, if you're on your first or second contract and they don't renew it, then no. At the end of the contract, severance is likely not going to be owed. But if you've done three contracts and you keep going back and back, well, you're a regular indefinite employee. Severance has to be paid. And again, that, of course, can max out at 24 months. And that is the way that one works. We'll get to another email here. we still got some more time. Moving on down to, uh, let's grab Frank's email says, uh, I applied for a job, went through two interviews, after which I was offered the position. Two, day, two days before I was supposed to start, the HR manager called me and told me that they've decided not to hire after all. I'm extremely upset and want to know if there's anything I can do. So, yeah, this is not so uncommon, John, believe it or not, the situation where you've accepted a job offer and then they kind of pull the offer off the table. So the question then becomes, what what have you lost by accepting the offer? And, and sometimes it can be very obvious. I quit another job. I accepted the offer. I had the offer, so I quit the other job. So I've lost something. Or you may have had another uh, job offer on the table and you chose this one over the other one. And now that the, the other one's gone. You can't go back and accept it. So you've lost something. So if, in fact, you've lost something by accepting the offer that then was then withdrawn, the employer that made you the offer is liable mm-hmm. for your losses. So you could be owed a few months pay even though you've never worked for the company. Crazy. Just by virtue of the fact that they made you an offer, you accepted, you relied on that accepted and lost something. I've, I've dealt with these cases for years and they're usually not even difficult to resolve. Now, if you were unemployed and this was the only offer that you had and you accepted it so you didn't really lose anything in the process, then unfortunately at that point, there's not much that can be done. But if you lost something... Absolutely. Key, give me a call. I'll make sure you get compensated. So even if you worked at, they pulled you from another place that you worked at for 30 years and then, you know, one day before they go, yeah, it's not going to happen. Sorry. You could be owed absolutely as much as two years pay in that situation. You could be. Uh, so, wow. and that's not, not that you work for a short period of time. It means you've never even worked for this company. Yeah. Uh, and they could owe you those, that, that damages. And by the way, in this situation, those damages may not even be taxed because it's not even considered. Oh my gosh! So, so uh, <laughs> there you go. So it may not be the worst case if you look at it that way. If you, if the offer gets pulled from you, but all all joking aside, yeah, you could have significant entitlements if a job offer that you accepted gets pulled before you even start working. 
All right, Helen, let's move on to you. Says my job title uh, is sales manager, but I don't manage anyone. But my boss says that I don't qualify for overtime. Who's right? (laughs) Well, overtime, real managers are exempt from overtime. So if you're an actual manager, uh, employment standards legislation says an employer does not have to pay you overtime. But you have to be a real, quote unquote, manager. Anyone can get the title of a manager, right? I can I can call any person, regardless of their job, they could be working on the assembly line, and I'll call them a manager, even though they're not. So having the title doesn't mean you don't get overtime. It's actually having the job that's important. So do you manage people? Do you have decision-making responsibilities? Those are the things we're going to look at to decide if you're a manager. By the same token, you may not have the title of a manager, but... You could be a manager just by virtue of your job. Again, when it comes to employment law, it's always going to be substance over form. So if you look like a manager and act like a manager, then you're a manager, meaning then you don't get overtime. But otherwise, you do. So for those out there, this is an important reminder. If you're not actually performing managerial responsibilities, but you just have the title of a manager, it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter. You're still out overtime in that situation because only real managers are exempt. Email right now, help at employmentlawyer.ca. Phil is our guy, says, after my company let me go, I told them that I believe they owe me more severance a day after I received another termination letter saying that I'm being fired for cause with no severance. What do I do now? Oh, man, that that is a really bad way to treat an employee. And and here's what happened behind the scenes, I can tell you, because I've seen this uh, story play out before. Company lets a person go, uh, and let's Phil go, and they think, well, you know, we probably owe him a couple weeks' pay, no big deal, we'll let him go. Then Phil comes back to them and says, I think you owe me more. Company looks into it, they realize, holy cow, he's right. It's not two weeks' pay we owe him, we owe him eight months' pay. So what can we do, what can we do, what can we do? They're freaking out. Well, you know what, let's just say that we fired him for cause and see if we can avoid paying him severance that way. Uh, so a new letter, no, no, it's really a termination for cause, Phil, so we're not paying you any severance except nonsense. Not only that doesn't work because it's difficult to terminate for cause, and unless Phil did something awful, it's never going to be cause. What I've just described is also bad faith, right? Company clearly making up uh, an excuse to try to avoid paying severance. So not only is that company going to still have to pay severance, they're potentially going to have to uh, pay additional severance. They're potentially going to have to pay additional damages because of this bad faith so yeah i hope that uh that uh, phil connects with me by phone so i can help him uh, it's not appropriate for a company to make up cause allegations to avoid paying severance sean says i've been getting a substantial bonus of about 30 percent of my salary for the past seven years the company just announced that this year there will be no bonuses um since bonuses are discretionary can they avoid paying me my bonus so I guess no pool is being put in this year uh, in that situation. <laughs> That's right. I hope we didn't yeah. put in a deposit. Uh, That's but, right. You know, th- this raises a, an important point, which is bonuses and are they discretionary? And oftentimes a company would have in your employment agreement or in their bonus policy something that says your the bonus is discretionary. And they may then rely on it and say, well, we've decided just not to pay it this year. Well, not so fast. It doesn't work that way. If a company, and, and you know what? We, we were joking. And just I used the, the Clark Griswold National Lampoon's example, but it's kind of like that. 
If, in fact, you start relying on this bonus to be part of your compensation, you always get it. You can always get a sense, you know, you always know uh, in, in a range what the bonus is going to be. It's not something that sometimes you get, sometimes you don't. You always get it. Then at that point, it's no longer discretionary, which means the company can't just decide to take it away. Now, if sometimes you get a bonus and sometimes you don't and, you know, it changes from year to year, then at that point, yeah, clearly it is discretionary and you can't fault the company if they decide not to pay it. But if you've been there for five years, seven years, you've always gotten paid, you always count on that bonus coming in, you know, sometimes it's 10000 sometimes it's 12000 but it's always kind of in that range, then no, that becomes part of your compensation. That becomes a term of employment and your employer can't just get rid of it. That could become a constructive dismissal. So if that's the situation here, we may be looking at a constructive dismissal. Very important for this individual and for all our listeners to keep that in mind. And with that, we'll get to uh, one more email quickly here. Uh, Jill, a good one to close with, says, my boss regularly tries to flirt with me and has even asked me out a couple times. I've said no and have been trying to avoid him. His behavior makes me very uncomfortable, Eora, and I don't know what to do. Well, number one is that she needs to document this. And, and it could be as simple as sending the boss an email confirming, you know, today you asked me out again. I'm not comfortable with that. Today you did this again. Please stop. Create that record. And then please, please go tell someone at the company, the HR manager, the owner, the, the district manager, whoever the right person is, they have to deal with that by law. What you're describing can absolutely be harassment. It could be a human rights violation. It's not legal. And if the company doesn't do anything about it, I'll make them do it because they have to. But I would want her to start off by documenting this so that it doesn't become a he said, she said type of a scenario, John. And that's going to be the type of thing where you mentioned before where, you know, the boss is the top guy no one to go to. They got to come right to you. Skip over them and come right to you, right? Everything I said about talking to someone assumes that there's someone to talk to. So if yeah. there isn't anyone, it's a tiny company and it's the owner and you and the owner is the one that's harassing you, who are you going to talk to? At that point, you talk to me and I'll deal with it. But if there is possibility to talk to someone at the company, do it. If you want to reach out to Lior now that we are through, here's how you do it. one 821 5900 help at employmentlawyer.ca and always go to the website first. It's free. It's anonymous. Tons of information and the severance calculator, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. We'll catch you next time on the Employment Law Show.